Welcome to the latest Art of Score podcast. I am Ron Brown with Tim Brown. What's up? And Mike Forty. Hello. Pleasure to be talking with you gentlemen again. Yes. We're back again. The off-season. Successful fantasy season for everybody. Well. More or less. That's, that's, that's questionable. <laughs> well, fair enough. If uh, Ron seems a little manic, it's because he's a Seahawks fan and he won our Dynasty League this year. So. Two years in a row, thanks. It's, wow. He's uh, cloud-nining it right now. Back to back. So um, follow us on Twitter, uh, Art of Score, um, at wordpress.artofscore.com uh, for our blog, and you'll see this podcast. If you're listening to it, you're already there. And also Facebook, search us, Art of Score, and uh, like us, friend us, we'll friend you. We're kind of easy that way. We don't like a, have standards. It's like for a friends. easy like a Sunday morning. So uh, we, we wanted to go standards. get. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, <laughs> but being a champion like myself. So we are. Uh, we wanted to get into the off season, go over some of the you know all the changes that are happening. I mean, right now we're recording this in uh, the combine just happened on uh, or just completed on Tuesday. So we're kind of just wanted to review some of the things that happened in the combine we're going to be doing two podcasts one covering a lot of the head coaching changes um some of the free agents that are coming out we're not going to get too deep into the free agents until they actually sign with the teams to really uh figure out their uh, fantasy implications and then we do another co- podcast um talking about the combine and you know a little bit of free agency and you know we'll talk about teams with huge huge um amount of salary cap space yeah i mean Right now in the off season, you pretty much you know the Super Bowls, less than a month old or about a month old at this point. I don't even know where I am. What is it? March now? Unless you talked to Ron, uh, which I'm you a- think it happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, get used to that feeling. Um, that'll probably be for the next five, six, seven months. Years. Um, so in the off season, uh, if you're a diehard football fan, uh, it's a it's kind of a lull. The combine gets you a little bit artificially excited if you're really uh, a football draft nick guy. But from a fantasy perspective, uh, a lot of things are fluid right now. So it's better just to talk some theoretical stuff and to give you some content than to make any kind of solid recommendations way before the draft. It's kind of silly. Yeah. And the other thing about this year is the draft is really late, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's May. Usually it's the end of April. And I think the teams actually like it backwards. They'd rather draft first. Yep. And get their guys, and then fill in, and then people, fill in with the free, free agents. agents. Yeah. But it's totally opposite. So, and that's probably because of the uh, collective bargaining agreement. That is the Players Association. So screwed the boots on that one. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to get in first off. Uh, just go to the, some of the head coaching cha- changes. Um, first one, Mike Pettin, new Cleveland Browns head coach, who replaced uh, Mike Chizinski. And you can't talk about the Browns without talking about. The entire mayhem that went down like, over the course God of like two years. That was bizarre. That was. Just... I mean, you sack your, G- your GM uh, after you've already sacked the coach who was only there for a year. And the personnel guy. And, actually, and the personnel director. I actually thought my, uh, Chud actually did a good job last year for with, with what he had. I didn't think, I didn't he, think he deserved that. to be fired. <laughs> I know. I, and, and I heard the real damning thing was that, like, Gus Bradley did more with less and that's what they're comparing him to which is which is already the same with less yep. you know more or less and uh yeah it's just i mean i don't know how you compare i mean that, i think the know. browns in this kind of situation have kind of stumbled into something 
that they have no business stumbling into in, in the fact that I actually like this guy. Um, but, uh, you know, reputations to organizations are one thing, and you can talk about how embarrassing it is that, you know, now the new GM is a guy that wasn't in the room when they hired this guy uh, and all those little details. But if the guy ends up working out, then the Browns kind of stepped in it and they get a little lucky here. Yeah, but absolutely. it's the way. But it's the way that it all went down that leaves a bad taste, and people are very skeptical of this guy. And he's a defensive-minded guy, so for fantasy purposes, you know the Browns' defense was pretty good last year. Yeah, they actually had a lot of sacks and turnovers. Yeah, they were they were they were so. pretty they were pretty good. They're pretty stacked on defense. I mean, they got rid of Dequell, but and and he's bringing a um, I believe he's bringing a bunch of his Buffalo buddies over because he was the Buffalo defensive coordinator. Um, so he's bringing a bunch of those guys with him. And he comes from the he's he's in the Rex Ryan tree, yeah. so he's he's not the Rex Ryan head coaching tree. He's in the Rex Ryan, the good Rex Ryan, the three four, the defensive side, genius yeah. Rex uh, Ryan tree. Well, you're you're a Patriots fan. You're you're forbidden from <laughs> considering him a genius. But um, so the Browns may have, in a roundabout way, actually done a good job for themselves. But they're the most unpredictable team, anyhow. Because we talked about him last year in fantasy when they got off to that semi-hot start where they three and one or whatever, and they had a yeah, lot of, absolutely, and they, had a, and they had a good offense, and we didn't know what the heck to think of them. And then, and then Josh Gordon out. blew up out of nowhere his first couple he games. Blew it and up. He yeah. did blow it up. <laughs> the uh, the one thing I didn't agree with with the uh, coaching replacement is Kyle Shanahan replaces North Turner. I would have kept North Turner in there. I really like him as the offense coordinator. I mean, yeah, I but I think that he developing was developing quarterbacks. I mean, but that's assuming that he wanted that he was well, off. That's, that's, you know, he wanted to stay too. too. But I think in Norv's case, he was probably tied tightly to Chud. Chud, and <laughs> they yeah. just wanted to clean house. Uh, that's what I'm saying. They might have stepped into something. Kyle is not the best, but he's not the worst. He comes from the he comes from the Kubiakish. Uh, yeah, that West Coast offense you kind know, of stuff. And, and you know, when he was at the Texans, when he he, he was there, he. That offense was good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had players, well, but the Redskins, it was good. He came from the Redskins. The Redskins defense. Uh, we'll talk about how that whole thing ended. Kind of, kind of, kind of screwed. Kind of, kind of screwed the whole situation. But his offenses, Kyle Shanahan's offenses in Washington, although albeit influenced by his father, were were top ten offenses for three out of the four years he was there. Right. So I mean, he knows what he's doing. The big, the big thing, the big takeaway for fantasy purposes, even though again this is really early, is that Kyle Shanahan's going to be the play caller there this year because, uh, you know, he's just the def- the head coach is a defensive guy. So you might, I, it's going to be hard to, for Josh Gordon to improve on his numbers, but he's certainly not going to go down because Pierre Garcon, who played the X wide receiver in Washington, led the league in receptions last year, and Josh Gordon's in a similar situation where there's no. Real proven number two. They have a couple of guys that they can kind of like switch and swap in there, and they might go pick somebody up in free agency. Yeah. But if Josh Gordon is the X, he's going to have a monster season in that offense. But the, and he also have tremendous. The quarterback was a lot better in Washington also than what they have in Browns, which is <laughs> true. <laughs> we got but, Brian Hoyer. Yeah, you never know Brian Hoyer. Actually, I guess. Actually like but but Matt Schaub, but Matt Schaub was nobody special for a long time either. He still and he made Andre Johnson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I mean, no, there was a time where I mean, him and Sage Rosenfels were competing for the starting job there. I mean, remember that? Yeah, I mean, those guys like a would ping pong, man. That was back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, and I think the other thing that you can say is you don't know, uh, for fantasy purposes, again, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the Browns or the running next back year or the running back. So 
They they have a or the lot. second wide receiver. <laughs> they have a lot to put together. Or the third game. wide receiver because Devon Bass is a wall. Yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go to uh, Mike Zimmer, who uh, replaces Leslie Frazier at the Vikings and brings Norvell Turner. Like this pairing. Oh yeah, me Tim, too. Tim uh, just alluded to to Turner uh, leaving Cleveland, and uh, it's a good pairing. Zimmer's been in the league for forever, a long time. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Cowboys and yep. Bengals for years, and I forget where he was before the Cowboys, but yeah, well and, respected, very well respected. And uh, so he will keep the defense. I mean, the the Vikings defense is not what it's been under the past couple of years under Leslie Frazier, but that I think has more to do with personnel issues. But Zimmer will get the most out of the guys that he's got there. Um, but it's interesting when I, I, I kind of like made a note here for Norv Turner because he will be the play caller, again, because you have a defensive head coach, is that uh, Norv Turner is like the tight end whisperer. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> he, he uh, you know, he had Gates during Gates' big run. He, uh, he, you know, he, he did wonders last year with Jordan, Jordan Cameron. Cameron. Well, it's just, he, it's such a featured part of the offense. You know, so if you own, you know, Minnesota's tight end group. Well, I mean, that offense is, you know, based off of play action and deep routes and, you know, the tight end going up the seam. And, you know, if you have a mobile tight end and, you know, who knows what Kyle, uh, Kyle Rudolph can do. Who just happens to be a yeah. fantasy team. Lucky you. He, he is on my dad. And he's team. not all that different a physical profile than Jordan Cameron. So it's no. conceivable that he could very well do similar things. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I had read an article, I forget where, um, but reports are coming out that he, you know, they, I think they chatted him, North Turner up before the combine and they were talking to him about the offense that he'd like to install in Minnesota. And he said that he'd already put like 10 plays in the playbook for Cordell Patterson. So that's definitely something to look for because Patterson's coming into his second year uh, and he was a highly drafted wide receiver for them who's got good size. Pro Bowl, uh, and kick return. Pro Bowl kick return, yeah. yep. And I think if they are going to start using him as, you know, this is the time of year where you can't, like we said, you can't really make too many predictions in February, you know. Uh, but you can you gotta, track the story. You can yeah. track the story and, and see how it's going to go. So you dynasty leaguers who have off-season trading or you keeper leaguers who might consider wanting to keep a guy like Patterson because he's a really late uh, round draft pick for you to keep or something of that nature, this is just the, something to put in your <laughs> – and even if you're just in redraft leagues and you're really just love fantasy football, I mean, this is just a great way to stay in tune with what's going on. All these little nuggets. Because it's more about, I think, it's more about at this time of year the story because uh, they will be there will be a hype machine for the draft. There will be a hype machine. for There was already the hype machine for the combine. Free agency is going to be crazy. Yeah, there will be a hype machine. Well, they had for that the, show on the NFL agency. Network last year for the free agent thing. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's these guys. These guys are sitting at home on their barca loungers right now, <laughs> like chilling out. We have no idea how they're gonna do, uh, you know, even in the summer running up and down. But they're little stories that you can just kind of like remember that story because it might get lost in the hype that Norv Turner put ten plays in the playbook for Cordell Patterson. Because if the Vikings sign a mid-level uh, free agent wide receiver, you might not hear Cordell Patterson for a little while. And you know, you know what? They might hold him back in the preseason. Yep. And you might not really – he might only have a couple touches, and you're like, oh, man, what are they doing? They're forgetting about him. And then regular season hits, and he blows up because of this. So that's yep. this is really where you got to pay And he attention. seems like he's coming out of nowhere, but he's not coming out of nowhere because the knowledge was dropped in February. So it's not something you need to 
check in every day with, but it helps round out the player's story. Yep. Uh, next, the Lions get rid of uh, the Schwartz. And, the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jim Caldwell comes in, who was uh, God, he's the Indy head coach. He was offensive coordinator for Baltimore, their Super Bowl run. And he brings Joe Lombardi with him, who is the New Orleans QB coach, which – it, it, that's that's an intriguing matchup because I didn't really see Baltimore as a big. He was he ran the ball a lot when he was OC in Baltimore or when he could. I mean the OC their Super Bowl run last year they they were a terrible blocking team so they couldn't run the ball. Mm. And you have Joe Lombardi, who comes from the Sean Payton school, which is you know throw it around a lot. Yeah, Lombardi's interesting too because yeah. it, it's kind of like we'll talk about these guys like we'll talk about Bill O'Brien in a little bit too. I, it's tough to tell who they are at coaches because yeah. as coaches because when you have an elite player at the position, I don't know how much Joe Lombardi is helping Drew Brees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's under Sean Payton, who's the play caller. So I don't know who's under an offensive coordinator. Yeah, too. So I mean, that's the thing. So so Lombardi has uh, they've gone on record as saying that they will let Lombardi um, call plays this season, mm-hmm. but he's going to get a big assist from Jim Caldwell because he's never called plays in the NFL. I mean, and, and I think most coaches do that. I mean, I, I know, I mean, just from, you know, being a Seahawks fan, I know Pete Carroll has input. I mean, he's a defensive coach and he has input. He's always listening in and being like, you know, we should run it here. He doesn't really call the play, but he has input on, you know, what's going to happen. And I think a lot of head coaches, you know, kind of step in like that. What were you going to say, Tim? The, um, I just, Jim Caldwell, man, I, he's like a manila folder. He's just like so yeah. blah. I mean, you could look at him on the sideline. You wouldn't know whether he got. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> just his, his face. But I think that's good for the Lions, though, because the Lions are such a like up and down, crazy, disgusting. Yeah, right. Team, I mean, that, in yeah. baseball, in baseball, in baseball, they always say that if you had the fiery coach, the next guy you get the calm coach, and if you had the calm coach, the next guy you get is the fiery coach. Well, Jim yeah. Caldwell yeah. is pretty well, goddamn. You, I mean, calm. you can see that with uh, with the whole thing with uh, Jim Harbaugh in the Forty ers you know, yeah. animosity uh, yeah. with him being him being an absolute freaking nutcase. <laughs> I think I think with with Caldwell though, what's interesting to me is that apparently that the story is that he got the job uh, because he broke down every one of Matt Stafford's throws. Yeah, from the season which, from the last which season, which is good because he and went in there with like a video resume of it put together. So he and wants how, and, and how he was gonna correct it, right? Too, which is impressive as hell. Yeah, I anybody mean, could point out, hey, he's doing this wrong, but if he can provide a solution on how you're gonna fix it, that yeah. definitely puts your stamp on it. So I mean, how he gets along with Matt Stafford will be very interesting because they are on record as as you know trying to control his mistakes <laughs> well i mean they just threw i mean what it comes down to is they threw the ball too much to goddamn much yeah. i mean they one year he threw the ball 600 goddamn times yeah. that's insane it's you know great, i mean you have Reggie, oh yeah I, but i mean but if you owned one of the running backs i mean joke bell i mean if joke bell and you know reggie bush could kind of get a 50 50 share and you know you know reggie bush is going to get some extra I mean, please do something it does it, tell the shore and don't let him <laughs> rot i mean he is somewhat of a talent He's still on your dynasty roster. Yes, they've done what they've be, done because he will be good one day. They'll they've, they'll trade him. At they've some point. done what they can. No, actually, I think, I think to Ron's, I think they will run the ball more uh, under Jim Caldwell, but I don't know that they. I don't know that they can. I no. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, think that's, they, I think they can. I mean, I think they're really good. I think they'll probably draft a, uh, obviously, some offensive linemen. They they definitely need them, but. 
the uh, I mean Reggie Bush. I mean, I mean he he's good. I mean he's proven that he's you know he can carry the load. But no, they're all, they're no. both competent backs. But it's really about the whole philosophy well, I mean, of the well, offense. You, What's you it going to be? Use the rest of your running backs instead of just those two, like Jim Schwartz did. I mean they did Joyce Bell and uh, Reggie Bush the whole year, and that's it. I mean they didn't use anybody yeah. because they had Theo Riddick. They have um, not saying he's <laughs> Theo Riddick, but I mean as a Notre Dame fan, I appreciate him on the roster. Um. But also They're Irish glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh you know, I think Mikel is sure. I mean, I think he's a talented back. He's a big back. I mean, I don't think he's that bad, so I mean He runs like slow poop. Uh, he's not I mean he's not that slow. I mean he's not like a uh I don't know. Well, I tell you, I think he's gonna get his chance because I think Reggie Bush I mean, he really tested the patience last year with those fun I mean he had a great year. We thought he was gonna have a big year. Uh, he was only kinda slowed down by injuries. Uh and then he started fumbling, and once you At get the, the, fu- the season, and once you yeah. get the fumble hiccups, no patience for that. Well, he's got to really. he's got to correct it. Absolutely. Um, next up, we got uh, Ken Wisenhunt, who I really like. He replaces uh, Mike Munchak in Tennessee. Uh, you know, Wisenhunt was coach of the Cardinals. Went to the Super Bowl with him. He had Kurt Warner as the quarterback. I must say that he was also. Offensive coordinator for the Steelers for a long time too, so he has a yep. lot of experience. I think he's a really good coach, actually. Um, Spent last season in uh, San Diego under Mike McCoy yep, as their Diego. offensive coordinator, <laughs> and he did a he did awesome with Philip Rivers. But the yeah. problem here is he doesn't have that veteran. I mean, when he's had a veteran, I mean, think of it. Roethlisberger did well yeah. with him, even when he was Kurt young. Warner. He was there, you know he did well with him. Kurt Warner, Philip Rivers did awesome with all you know, and then he had. The years where you know he had Max Hall and John Skelton yeah. and those and that and it was a and you know because Kevin Cobb got hurt but you know it was a disaster so I mean even with Kevin Cobb it wasn't any better. Well, he he, I mean, he won mean, four I games think, in a row well, with I think him. A lot with his San Diego, I think Mike McCoy was was a big part of that in San Diego. I don't think. I mean, I like Wizard well, I mean, as a coach. <clears throat> but I do think uh, the San Diego thing was a lot with uh, Mike McCoy because he you know he was. I mean, Denver McCoy's player. on record. Yeah, well, I love McCoy. I mean, McCoy's yeah. one of my favorite coaches, but yeah. uh, but they are on record as saying Wisenhunt was the play caller for the majority of last season. So, I mean, uh, McCoy designed the offense, but Wisenhunt was the daily guy. And I think, you know, Wisenhunt was a guy that I really liked as a Redskins fan. Uh, he's a former Redskins player, actually, mm-hmm. a tight end. And uh, he's he was on way back in the day. He was a tight end coach with the Redskins for a while. Um, but... The, tr- the truth of the matter is with this guy is that, you know, he doesn't have, like Ron was saying, the veteran presence on offense. They need a lot of work on that side of the ball. Uh, I mean, their their no, line no, is good. Their line Hasselbeck is good. There? No, I think Hasselbeck retired. No, Hasselbeck was back up at uh, the uh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, I mean, the thing is they have no offensive identity. I mean, you know, they have a couple, you know, I think, I don't know, is Nate Washington a free agent? I don't even know. I, no, I don't think he I, is. No, I, I don't mean, think he, I think this is his final year of his contract, though. This is his final yeah. year. They have him. I mean, they have, have, you know, Justin cap. Hunter, who is really good. Kenny Britt's not no, coming back. He's a free agent they have Delaney anyway. Walker. Oh. You know, I've heard rumblings about Chris Johnson, how, you know, they might cut him. They have Kendall Wright. Did you say that? Yeah, Kendall. Yeah, no, I didn't say Kendall Wright. Yeah, they have Kendall Wright. It's just, I don't. They need an offensive identity. They need to be like, you know, this is what we do. And, and I felt like they wanted to be a pound the ball running team last year and they just weren't good at it like they didn't block they didn't play as what their line played way below their talent level they just weren't a good team i mean they had offensively they had sean green they paid him a lot of money like 10 million dollars and you know they used him i mean he had some some knee issues 
But I don't know why they. Yeah, why earlier they, in the year. <clears throat> yeah. Why they didn't use him more towards the towards the end of the year? I mean, Chris Johnson just sucked. And yeah, and I don't know. It's just they're just a weird team because they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I think yeah. you know they just beat them up. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand it. But the thing is about the Titans is that they actually they're in a similar situation to the to the Browns, like we talked about. Um, actually, probably close to the to the Vikings as well. Is it? The quarterback position is is in name taken this this year. It will be it will be Locker's job to improve, and it's going to be his job. Beyond that, who knows? But the running back situation, like we just alluded to, is up in the air. They really need a, a possession type of guy because all their wide receivers are kind of the same dude. Um, so Wisenhunt can really come in in his first year as coach, put his system in, and really put his stamp on the team. And we really don't know what that's going to look like. He brought over. Uh, Jason Michael, who was a tight ends coach in San Diego with him to be his offensive coordinator, but Wisenhunt is going to call the the plays, and so I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know if we're going to see the old Cardinals offense or if we're going to see something. I would anticipate we would see something more like he ran in Pittsburgh uh, for the Titans because it just seems to fit better with that the way that team is. Yeah, built I mean, right I mean, now, it, you know, even his running game is going to be a lot better than it was in. Well, now they think about it, Chris Johnson is you know terrible as he was. But it's still a better situation than he had in Arizona. Yeah, running game. Yeah, yeah, no. They still ran the ball more than you thought in Arizona. They just didn't do you it know, effectively. They, I mean, you could run the ball all day long, but no, you know, you, you know, they had a couple guys like Tim Hightower and you know guys like that. But at any rate, um, get off them uh, now. Bill O'Brien, um, former Penn State head coach, now he and Patriot assistant replaces Gary Kubiak. Um, He's it was an offensive guy. I don't even know if they have an offensive coordinator they don't. They, now. They don't. No, they don't. He's the his, yeah, as Tim alluded to, he, what's interesting is that he's going to be, as far as I know, the only guy in the NFL that does not have an offensive coordinator. Even, even Chip Kelly, who pretty much ran his entire offense and put the whole new thing in, had an in-name offensive coordinator at least. Which is kind of yeah. – well, I mean, it, it's kind of a big job. I mean, being a head coach, first year – and you're also the offensive coordinator. You don't have anybody to real delegate, you know, kind of watch over the offense. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. You know, I mean, maybe on. he'll have – it's just weird to me that even if you don't have him in name and, you know, you don't have to pay the guy, you know, like Norv Turner's salary. Just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he couldn't find somebody, you know, that had shared his philosophy offensively enough. You know, I don't know. I read something that, that suggested that he believed that – Without an offensive coordinator, the it would be more the message would be more streamlined, that he could just go straight to the position coaches and it would just be I mean, you know well, I mean, the, straight through. Which which means I think he couldn't find a guy who did, you know did what I he mean, wanted to do. The one, the one I mean, kind of nice like, thing about if you, you know you're you're the head coach and you're offensive minded, but you also have offensive coordinators. You have those checks and balances where the offensive coordinator say I really don't think that's a good idea, and you know he might be right and you know they kind of you know kind of agree to a, a decision. You know, when you don't have that, it kind of. I think sometimes it's well, yeah, to your I, detriment I, but, because you get a bigger, a bigger ego that way. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I, don't, I, I just, I don't know who's going to do the game plan. Yes. I mean, who's going to do the game plan? Is he going to do the game plan? He's going to active offense a coordinator, and then no one's going to be able to. I believe he is. I mean, he's. It's br- just, it's just a weird setup. I mean, I, I mean, and I'm not saying it won't work because who knows? I mean, but. I mean, he's bringing in uh, George Godsey, I guess, who was the uh, quarterbacks pos- uh, position coach for the pay- uh, tight ends. He was a tight end coach for the Pats. He'll be the quarterback coach for the Texans. Um, 
and I guess these guys have worked together. See, this is Bill O'Brien is kind of like what we were talking about earlier is that I don't know what kind of coach Bill O'Brien is. I mean, he had a great run at Penn State, which is really how he got back into the NFL because nobody expected anything from Penn State after the scandal. And so if you do anything, you're considered amazing. But when he was with the Patriots, he didn't really have to do a whole hell of a lot. So his, I don't really know what his – you know, he, he, they claim he comes from a two-tight end set offense, but that was when the Patriots had two tight ends that were yeah. dominant. So I don't know what this is going to look well, like. Well, I them. mean – well, if, you, if you're starting with a two-tight end offense, it usually means there's not a fullback on the roster. That means you'll probably have four running backs and four tight ends. I mean, beyond that, I mean, that's all I can say. You know, that's really all you can say out of it. I mean, they, you and know, the Texans have the teams that have a quarterback. They have the number yeah. one pick in the draft. Yep. You know, I, I don't even know if they're going to draft a quarterback. I yeah. would think they would have to. I, I don't. I, mean, I don't see them going forward with <laughs> Case Keenum and uh, Matt Schaub. Yeah. Well, Schaub has gone for sure. Schaub has gone for sure. What's, I heard. His, I heard what's this. Schaub's cap is it something outrageous? It's pretty high. It's yeah. high. Yeah, it's definitely high. It's pretty high for a guy that doesn't have a clear starting job. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is, they don't have to take a quarterback at one. No, but no, no, could, no. That's what know. I mean. The first is the first pick. Garoppolo or something like that, you know. Or Aaron Murray or whoever you like. I mean, I don't know what you know. It's whatever flavor you like, I guess. So out of, I guess I think out of all the teams uh, that have replaced their head coaches, the one that we know the least about what their offense is going to look like, I think, is the Texans. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody knows what that's going to look like. Um, I don't know. The next one, too, is kind of is questionable also. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they're, they're all Yeah, I mean, I, I really love the hire overall. Lovey Smith going to the Buccaneers, replacing uh, Greg Schiano, who just – I mean, that team played hard. I got to say, that team did play hard all season, but, you know – They were I, probably afraid he was going to run them down <laughs> with his truck in the parking lot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they did play hard throughout the season, but he moves on. He's an assistant with the Patriots now, right? No, I, mean, I don't well, know. What no, he's gonna, he's staying out of coaching. He might be one of those. He's not coaching at all, so I don't know if he's gonna be one of those special assistants. You know, he does like quality control or assistant to the head coach or something like that till he gets his name out there and you know collects. Well, collects the thing his, is, he you know, four million dollar paycheck. Well, that's probably what it is. He doesn't. If you get another coaching job, you avoid that. Your contract kind of goes void, I guess, in most uh, circumstances. But anyway, he brought over um, Jeff Tedford, who is, you know, quarterback's guru, and uh, he was the University of California head coach for a long time. And he's, he's definitely well-respected. You know, he, he did, you know, he had a lot of guys drafted in the NFL. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you say about Kyra Bowler or not? He was a number one draft pick. You know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, and there's another one <clears throat> that he was a big uh, uh, influence on. Um a lot of questions there, um, Mike Glennon. What do you think of him? I, you know, Glennon's a steady kind of guy who I I like the upside. He's a huge guy. I mean, he's six seven or six six or something yeah, like tall that. Tall dude, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, ever running a wide open. I think ever since Vinny Testaverde left, <laughs> I think they've decided that you know we're going to play defense. And we're going to play ball control, and we're going to make some plays when we have to make plays. And I think that fits. I think Mike Glennon could be a quarterback that fits Lovey Smith to a T because they're going to want that offense to be a ball control offense. And they got two good running backs. I, I mean, what, Mike James looked. Mike James looked awesome last year, and you know you still have uh, the Muscle Hamster there who didn't play most of the season. So, Muscle Dougie, Hamster, Dougie, little Dougie Martin. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's an interesting situation there. I don't, and I don't know what Tedford's offense is going to look no, like. I don't think anybody weird. does. Kinda... 
you know, I, I didn't study. Level. I mean, that's... He's never called. He's 57 years old, and he's never called an NFL play, you know, a game in the NFL. But he is the most successful coach in the University of Cal football. So I, I think he's one of those coaches that's just so well-respected, you know. So you, 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 I, I don't so have you a problem with him. No, no, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, he was looking to move to the, you know, at this point in his life, he's just ready to move right. up. And we were know? talking about the teams that don't have identities. The Buccaneers have an identity. It's defense. It's carrying over to a new coach. You're, you're even ramping that up with Lovey. Lovey is a, is a great defensive coach. Uh, yeah. You're just asking the, the offensive guy to be innovative enough to get you 17 to 21 points a week. <laughs> And you hope your defense holds them to 14 to 17. And yeah. they have an up-and-coming defense. Their defense is chock. If you play in IDP defensive leagues, you already know this. Yeah. The de- the Bucks defense is chock full of awesome young talent. I had Levante David in our IDP league last year, and he was awesome. He was awesome. It's amazing. And they didn't even really get what they could get out of Revis yet. No. If Revis yeah. gives if he them still, anything. If he stays. If he doesn't get traded, supposedly he's on the block. But uh, – yeah, well, I mean, they have Mark Barron. They got well, some good I mean, guys. Yeah, I, mean, they, you, I mean, you have a lot of – I mean, you're a pretty good situation cap-wise. I mean, why not could have put a great player and shut down half the field? But, it, you know what I'm saying? but I mean, if they don't feel they're that one player away and you can get a number, a couple number one picks for them, why not trade them? You know, I don't know. I guess it depends on your philosophy. I think the, the last, Bucks are going to be a tough team this year. They're going to fight. I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, like um, Jay Gruden. They were, they were good last year, so – they play tough. I mean, they weren't a great, didn't have a great record, but they played tough. Next is uh, Jay Gruden going to the Redskins, replacing Mike Shanahan. Um, Jay Gruden was the offensive coordinator for the Bengals the past four years, I believe. Um, and he brings over Sean McVay. Well, actually, as offensive his, coordinator. <laughs> it's actually Sean McVay is a it's a promotion. He's a holdover from the Shanahan regime, which is kind of odd. But they had to keep him. They had to promote him. They, he's he's only 28 years old, so he's highly well-regarded. That's why they kept him. I don't think he's going to be that big a part of the deal. It's Jay, it's Jay Gruden's show, for better or worse. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little, as a Redskins fan, I'm a little leery of the situation. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how Shanahan, Mike Shanahan imploded last season. I don't know how that got so out of hand. But near the end, he, he just... I, it'll be refreshing to have anybody else in there because he made it so uncomfortable for I think fans and players to be a part of that team that I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of a coach basically throwing a tantrum and and pulling a, a pulling a quarterback from the lineup while he's still healthy. Yeah, no, I mean that was so it's just bizarre. So it's good to have anybody else in there. Gruden is interesting to me because my concern about Jay Gruden is is he creative enough to use. Robert Griffin and a couple of the other weapons they have in the right way, you know, yeah. because uh, they Robert Griffin was offensive rookie of the year, and they tore it up in the pistol offense. Yeah, they did. So I want to see some of that still in the playbook. And Gruden has gone on record and say you don't change the way he plays and he won't do this stuff. But is he creative enough to call those plays at the right time? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's there's two different types of offensive coaches as far as I see like the Mike Holmgren way where it's like we're gonna run this offense we're gonna run my offense and if you're not gonna run it the way I tell you to run this offense get out like he doesn't adapt it to his talent he finds the talent that fits his system and then you have the guys that adapt to the talent they have or what they get and you know it's really what is he gonna be I mean from a fantasy perspective this hire is interesting not so much for Robert Griffin I mean it is interesting for Robert Griffin but I think it's interesting for Alfred Morris because I want to see what they do 
well, with they the, were, what with this, if they're going to still be zone blocking team? Uh, are they going to be more of a power running team? And if and if they do go more of a power look, are they going to spell Alfred Morris more than they spelled him when he was under Shanahan? Are they are is Roy Halu going to be a bigger part of that picture? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess I mean if going by last year, I mean you you know you have the uh, Giovanni Bernard and then you know uh, the law firm of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if you can draw parallels from other teams when you have, you know, new players and you know a whole new. Yeah, I mean, they'll basically. I mean, they will basically to me have the same offensive line except for maybe the. I'm hope crossing my fingers that they get at least one upgrade there. Um, so if they have the same offensive line, are they going to keep similar? They were they were a sweep team. I don't know if they're going to be a power sweep team anymore. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, a couple other things we're going to hit on quick are just some of the offensive coordinators that changed. Um, Hugh Jackson replaces John Jay Gruden. Um, he was the running backs coach for the um, Cincinnati Bengals, and now he's getting moved to offensive coordinator. He's been offensive coordinator before in Atlanta, um, and he also has been in Washington, and he's head or coordinator of. I guess that's it. Yeah. Well, he was head coach of the Raiders. For, he was head coach for the Raiders for, for, <laughs> for one of those disastrous short short spells. But he's the guy who traded for Carson Palmer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if you're looking where Darren McFadden's going to go, <laughs> it's probably going to be here. Uh, Hugh Jackson is interesting. Supposedly, he's going to open it up even more than Jake Gruden did, which I don't know what that means for the Bengals because he. I mean, he's gone on record as saying he, he wants to run more, but at the same time, he wants to go downfield more. So I'm already getting like a schizophrenic thing from Hugh Jackson. So. Yeah, I mean, do, I mean, I think every coach wants big chunk plays and throw the ball down the field. But do you have the quarterback to do it? Do you have the line to do it? I mean, <laughs> you, you need everything there. I mean, it's it's not just the one thing I think it helps. wing the ball up to AJ Green and hope he catches it, <laughs> which has been their offense. But, yeah. Well, I mean, it, what, what's what what makes me uh, kind of optimistic about Hugh Jackson's situation there is that he was there last year. So he knows the players. He knows Andy Dalton. He has a relationship with him. Andy Dalton knows what he has to work on. And yeah. it just may be that Andy Dalton can never get to that next level. Andy Dalton may be getting everything Andy Dalton can get out of himself right now. And the Bengals may have to live with that and find ways to win, you know, in spite of it or game plan to where his strengths allow him to do that. So I think his, I think the Bengals' struggles are kind of overrated on offense. I don't think they're as bad as, you know, the playoff game would suggest with the picks and the <laughs> – no, but I mean, they're just—I don't know. I just—they're I, 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 they're a team that I—I just—I don't understand quite. I mean, I don't watch them as closely as some other teams because they're in the AFC, and I, it just—they put up a lot of points and they have big games, but they don't—they're not consistent offensively. They don't play play well in big games or against good defenses. They beat up on a lot of bad, and, and that's kind of how I see them. And you know, in that division. You know, when they beat up on the Steelers and the Ravens, you know, it's just the familiarity, I think. I don't think they're... Well, they were bad, bad I, I, teams, too. I mean, they haven't been, especially last year. You know, they weren't very good. The Ravens weren't very good. No, yeah, they were, they were an average team. No, exactly. And, you know, I don't know. Well, what's interesting about them, real quick, is that uh, not not only does Marvin Lewis still have a coaching job, but in spite of all these blow-ups and disasters in the playoffs, which is something we could talk about a whole other time, but Dave, we mentioned Mike Zimmer already. And we mentioned Jay Gruden. They both got head coaching jobs. They were the offensive and defensive coordinators of Cincinnati last year. So that mm-hmm. whole team is now going to have a new structure in place. 
It's not just the offensive side of the ball. So uh, yeah. a lot of interesting things in Cincinnati this year. Definitely, definitely. Um, another one, uh, Gary Kubiak, former head coach of the Texans, goes to the Ravens as offensive coordinator. Totally different offense from what I understand. I mean, he's definitely a pure West Coast guy. Very, you know, he's under Mike Shanahan before he was uh, head coach of the you know Texans. Um, loves play faking, though. Loves loves t- rolling that tight end. Yeah, out. zone blocking guy. Which you know, um, I think it could be very good. I think it could be very good for them. I think it'd be good. Yeah, change of pace for him. I really do. Yeah, and, and Joe Flacco is more mobile than you think. You know, he he's not he's not you know a big. I mean, he's a big, strong, you know, pocket passer, but he can move more than he thinks. So, I mean, I think this might be good. I, mean, I think the only problem that you're kind of run into is the offensive line, offensive line, and uh, Ray Rice. You know that that mess with him, with him <laughs> uh, smacking his wife up. Well, I mean that, and, and his lack of production. I mean, yeah. how about the only time that Ray Rice shows up is in a casino when he's beating the crap out of his wife? How about, <laughs> how about that's the only time he shows up? That's the, only time uh, made, that's the only time we made news all year. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, you know, if I'm – and this is, you know, obviously projecting way out, but right now I'm not drafting Ray Rice at all, and I'm b- picking Bernard Pierce at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's the guy I'm looking for. And if they don't bring in a running back. I want the guys – and this this is what we forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about the Browns. Um, I want whoever the Cleveland Brown running back is, if I can get him cheap this year in a, in a fantasy league, and I want – whoever emerges as the next guy after Ray Rice in yeah. Baltimore. Oh, absolutely. Because I want where these Texans, <laughs> these former Texans, Kyle Shanahan, former offensive coordinator under Gary Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, head coach there. I want these guys because the Texans <laughs> have perfected the running game in the NFL for the last, like, five years, six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. So if those guys put their systems in, they put the Texan systems in Cleveland and – Baltimore, you're going to want to look at who's getting those carries. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, next, Bill Lazor. Um, he was QB coach in Washington. He was a QB coach in Seattle for a year or two. Um, he becomes the Dolphins' offensive coordinator, replaces Mike Sherman. And he's a guy I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I don't really know much about him or what type of offense he prefers, if he's more down the field or – I, I uh, you know, Coast, he yeah, played yeah. under he was the offensive coordinator last season in Philadelphia under Chip Kelly. Yeah, um, he has an interesting uh, philosophy. He's a West Coast tree guy, I heard, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he will not be a Chip Kelly clone. He's not going to try to do there what uh, Chip Kelly does, but he will increase the play calling, which. I don't know. I don't know how that fits the Miami offensive makeup. And he's I, I kind of see Miami too, so it's kind of right. Know, well, the good thing about an up-tempo offense is it hides warts on the offensive line, and it's young quarterbacks like it because it's easy. Yeah, I mean, but it's not always effective. Eventually, they, you know, what I mean, you're only calling a handful of plays, so eventually the defense figures out what you're doing. So they have like what the I don't know. I think Forty Niners had last year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it could be effective. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what you have to do when you have a young quarterback. I mean, eventually you have to let I mean, him I, grow. I thought, but I mean, I, I thought um, Tannehill, you know, progressed pretty good, you know, throughout the year. He obviously got better towards the end of the year, too. And I thought he was doing doing some good things. But. Yeah, and he didn't play much quarterback in, at, in college, either. I mean, he's only a two-year starter. In the other two years, he was playing wide receiver. So, you know, I mean, I, I think he so has a lot of room to grow wide, in. So you pick him up. <laughs> I mean, we always we always tie that we always tie the coach and the quarterback together. Um, this time, you know, it's the OC and the and the quarterback. I, I think 
if Laser has any impact on the Dolphins, it'll be on Tannehill. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do at running back. The Dolphins. No, it's their 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 offense is really. I mean, massively one dimensional. Because they can't run the ball, they don't, they don't pass block very well. There's a terrible offensive line. Their line just sucks. With, uh, Donald Thomas there, or whatever that guy. <laughs> oh is. yeah, Daniel they're Thomas, awesome. Yeah. Well, the, well, the loss of uh, Richie Incognito and Jonathan. I mean, all the all the offseason yeah. stories that you don't want to talk about because they're all for the wrong reasons or <laughs> yeah. are uh, are somehow creeping up <laughs> into these into these things because it, like it's true the Dolphins have to now find two new bodies even for depth. <laughs> on that line there you could see four to five new offensive linemen out of their nine you know that they keep on the roster or whatever they could have five new ones i mean it's really insane but that's what happens uh next one ben mcadoo who Wackadoo. Wackadoo. <clears throat> um he's a new giants offensive coordinator replaces kevin gobride who kind of retired i guess it sounds like he was more <laughs> forced out than retired it's an involuntary termination yeah he was uh Actually, uh, Southern Connecticut State University head coach for a couple of years. So These guys would know, form, which is nice. Which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's never been a play caller in the NFL. He was a QB coach for the Green Bay Packers last year, which I don't know. I mean, I guess I know from what I know about the Giants' offense, and you know, listening to you know Sirius XM Radio, um, there's tons of checks. They have a lot, a very complex offense with tons of checks, and I don't know if it's going to be the same offense. You know, I know, you know, even going back to Jacksonville, Tom Coughlin always threw the ball down the field. He always threw the ball a lot, even with Mark Brunel and everything, and I'm sure he's going to continue doing that. So, Well, I heard an interview on the fan, good old WFAN here locally, <laughs> uh, where Coughlin is quoted as uh, kind of giving him the reins and kind of not giving him the reins. I mean, he's, he's on record as the play caller, but Coughlin is not going to take his mitts off designing the offense. And they describe it as a fusion of the West Coast and what they've been doing for forever. So good luck with that. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what that means. I mean, what does that mean? What that means is that Tom Coughlin will die in the Meadowlands before, <laughs> before before they before they have the guts to remove him. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there's just so many question marks for the Giants. I mean. Uh, you got David Wilson, who's coming off a neck injury, supposedly ready, and he's going to practice throughout the offseason. You have Andre Brown, who's a free agent at running back. You have Akeem Nix, the wide receiver, who is a free agent. You don't have a tight end. Um, what's you his name? Brandon, Brandon Myers. Brandon Myers. Brandon Myers left. Uh, yeah. Eli is coming off the worst season as a, as a pro since his rookie. Their, o- their offensive line is a mess. They're, you, know, They're it, you know, Victor Cruz is far and away their best player. I mean, it's crazy, but... Uh, you know, I mean, right now as it stands, there's not a guy. I mean, for Victor Cruz, it's always going to be Victor Cruz when you talk about the Giants for fantasy purposes until the running back establishes himself. Whoever yeah, but, that I is. I mean, there's no, you know, even even Eli Manning. If you're penalized for interceptions, I, I mean, you can't draft him as a starting fantasy quarterback right now. I don't say. Well, the, this this season for the Giants will be very interesting because it's going to either be. All right, we're going to get the band together for one more run, and maybe it's not this year, but maybe it's 2015 when they get all the pieces together. Yeah. Or this is it. Like if Eli has another down year, you can kind of start to see the curtain come down on that. Coughlin is the oldest head coach in the league, I believe now. He is, yeah. Uh, so you know the, it, the sun's going to go down on him as well. So it's a it's a it's a crossroads year, I think, for the Giants. It could be a tear down year. So yeah. You know. uh, 
but uh, we'll see. I'd like to see a. I'd like to see as a Redskins fan. I'd like to see a burn it down year. <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> where they all run out of the house on fire. That's that's terrible. Um, <laughs> and the next one, the quarterback of the biggest comeback in NFL playoff history, Frank Reich. He's uh, the replacement for Ken Wisenhunt as offensive coordinator of the Chargers. He was their QB coach last year. Um, and he was a card, Cardinals wide receiver coach for a little bit. So he's been under Wisenhunt. Obviously, they share offensive philosophies together. Yeah. Um, they might have even played together. Wisenhunt might have been on one of those Bills teams. I, I think I so long remember. ago. Yeah. But um, we were young then. Also, if we're gonna give credit, you know, to Wisenhunt for turning around Philip Rivers, Frank Wright was his quarterback coach. So you have to think he was doing something. Yeah, I mean, in, in you know, their philosophies obviously align. So I would have. I I don't think he'll have. An impact, which is probably a good thing, because I think, yeah, I think it'll be a fairly seamless transition. Yeah, I he's think, the I only think kind of sprinkle him in. Kind of he's the only offensive, yeah, yeah, because he's the only offensive coordinator that we've talked about that is not gonna is not on record as the play caller. So he's not even calling plays. Yeah, this is just more of a keeping track. <laughs> yeah, no, you know he'll he'll design some of the offense, but he's not, you know, I mean, in design the play, you know the. The game plan in and out, and you know why we talked about like the play callers is when you want to get when you want to get mad in fantasy and blame it on somebody, you don't always blame on the head coach <laughs> that your guy didn't get the ball in the fourth quarter. That's not always the head coach doing that. Sometimes that's Frank Wright. <laughs> Could be Frank Wright. So uh, now that we're complete with a lot of the big coaching moves, we wanted to go over um, free agents. We're just going to gloss over them because it's really hard to project. And there's something like 70-something free agents or something? There's a ton of free agents. We don't know what's going to happen. The free agents, people are still going to be getting cut where we are today, so the, everything's going to change. We don't know what's going to happen. Matt Schaub still hasn't been cut. You know, there's defensive guys and offensive linemen and all kinds of things that are going to happen. So we just wanted to go over at this point right now, which is the 27th of February, we're just going to go over some of the guys who are free agents that are interesting. Yeah. And they could be fantasy relevant, but there's guys – that could be fantasy relevant that we don't talk about as well. So we're going to have to just see where everybody goes. So some of the quarterbacks. Um, first one, I guess, is Mike Vick. I mean, he's has the most biggest pedigree. And he has the best chance, I believe, of being a starting quarterback out of these guys next year. Yeah. Most of these guys, most of these guys are going to go, are going to go as backups. Somebody's quality depth or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you have. I mean, some of the other guys. I mean, it was Josh McCown, I mean, I, I, Matt I almost, Castle. I can see uh, Josh McCown in um, in Tampa Bay with Lovey Smith. If he's a stopgap, but that yeah. that implies that you're already giving up on Mike Glennon's well, development. You, you see, Josh McCown is 35 years old, so he's not a guy that you see. I can see him going to the Jaguars. Mm. I guess. <laughs> I could see him go to the Jaguars because they're going to draft a quarterback and they're not going to draft him in the first round. I guarantee you they won't. Yeah. I guarantee you they won't. They're going to draft Clowney because they have a defensive head coach. Yeah. And if they don't see the guy that they want and he's not there, they're going defense. I guarantee that. And they'll draft Derek Carr or someone in the second round. But um, yeah, I could see McCown. I mean, Matt Castle, Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman's done, man. That dude is yeah, I mean, such a but, waste. I mean, they, they were complaining about his uh, – Work ethic when he was at the uh, at the Vikings. Yeah, I mean that's that's two different teams that have said that too. So I mean that's, I mean, you gotta, that's there's one damning thing you could say about a quarterback. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, I agree. 
Um, then you have Sean Hill, who was the backup in uh, Detroit for a while. And he Number was, of years. <laughs> before that, he was you know he played started a handful of games for the 49ers. And then uh, Chad Henney, who I played for Miami for se- several years. And then you know he's a decent quarterback. He played for the Jaguars, but you know I think he, he's, he's really be back he, with the Jags next year. I think he's he's just a good backup. Yeah. That's all he is. Yeah. He's not. I mean, he's gonna start, but he's not a starter. That's Calibre, what, you know, he's I mean. gonna be at the Jags next year because he you know knows the offense, knows you know. He like I said, he's a decent backup. I mean, why get rid of him? I mean, I don't know. I see. I see him going to somewhere like the Vikings. No, because he's he's a he fits their offense better. He has a big, strong arm and he can huck the ball down the field, and that's what North Turner likes. See, I can see him going there, but I mean. You know, shoot, I could see Matt Castle going to the Raiders or someone like that. Yep. You know, just somewhere to stabilize the position. You know, here, you can start for two years. We're going to draft a quarterback and, you know, see which one of him prior, McGloin, and whoever they draft, you know, turns out, you know. I mean, it's just – it's so weird. The, 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 there's no good free agent quarterbacks, really. I mean, no. they're just guys that hold the fort for a young guy, and that's really all they are. Yeah, even Vic would be a hold the fort guy. Well, he's, what, 32? Yeah. But no, he's, he's older, an old. He's older than that, isn't he? No, he's young. He's he's, he's 33, 32. But, but he's an old. You know, he's got a yeah, lot of a lot of, lot of issues. Yeah. Well, not a lot. Um, of miles, but he's got problems. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hits. No, yeah. He he's in, he's in a small dude too. He's only six feet tall. People forget about that. You know. Um, just hitting over some of the running backs. Um, you know, Ben Tate, Rashard Jennings, Darren McFadden, Maurice Jones-Drew, Noshan Marino, Andre Brown, and Donald Brown. And, and they're all pretty good guys. They're yeah. all pretty good running backs. This is actually an intriguing group of guys for various reasons. Uh, ben, ben Tay, I could almost see him going to Baltimore if, if they let Ray Rice go or they they don't do anything with him. It's connecting the dots, yeah. And that's right what we were up. that's what we were kind of talking about before is like you know uh, Ben Tate has been in Texas for a while. Uh, since he, I think it's like fourth, fourth year now. Fourth year, yeah, I believe he's going into five. Yeah. Uh, going into his fifth, isn't yep, yep, yep. So that means he's spent four years in the Texan system. If Gary, if he hooks up with Gary Kubiak or Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland, uh, he could have some success. My my concern with him is that he doesn't have a great injury track record or fu- or a fumble. And he's a fumbling issue too. So. He's going to get money. Someone's going to pay for it. He's going to be – let me just say this right now in February on the 27th. He is going to be a red-hot fantasy, quote-unquote, trendy sleeper that comes out in the magazines when the magazines come out in May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. you got to watch where he yeah, goes and, and who he gets paired up with. Because and if he does go to a team in a good situation, yeah, he will be a good player. But he's not an elite back. So if you're drafted, he's not like – when Michael Turner went to Atlanta years ago and became an elite back, it's not going to happen with any of these guys, but they're all going to be productive. I could see him as a I mean, Lamont no- Jordan going to the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could see no Sean maybe yeah, have one good be in, in a, have elite production and maybe Darren McFadden if he ever stayed healthy. But. So no, no Sean and McFadden are actually two guys that like headed in different directions off 2013. Yeah. No Sean's career was pretty much over. Going into going into this time last year, and what happened was he got the chance because he was a veteran player. Their offense took off immediately. He had great games, and then uh, he kind of solidified that thing. But at the end of the day, Denver looks at it and says, "I don't know if there's room for this guy on our team well, to think pay about him." It. They now. spent two second round picks the past two years on running backs: right. Ronnie Hillman, and then you know Monte Ball. And you know Hillman was fumbling a lot. 
So he got benched. He didn't even play the last, what, five games in playoffs? He was was fourth string. They promoted C.J. Anderson ahead of him. Right. So, I mean, I don't know what to think of that. But, I mean, that's actually a team that might go, like, cheap. Like, I could see them going for a Donald Brown or an Andre Brown. Yep. To replace Moreno because Monte Ball is going to be the main guy, and they'll he'll be cheaper than resigning Moreno because Moreno is what into he fifth year, sixth year, might even be six now. Seven. Right. Now six, he's not that, that high. He's, he's older big, than Tate for sure. So he's probably a year older, so he's probably going into year six then. Yeah. And then you know Maurice Jones-Drew, who knows what that guy's going to do? I mean, he didn't look too good last year. By the way, before we get into this, <laughs> it's contractually obligated to have Tim on the podcast that we have to talk about MJD. So that's why this is coming up. See, my brother, Tim, he lives in Jacksonville and sees um, him at Home Depot every once in a while. So, you know, the uh, I mean, I still, Guys are I, buddies. Think, I still think MJD, someone's going to pay him a decent amount of money. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, <clears throat> I still think I mean, I still think he's good. He's a great I mean, he's. He's definitely slowed a bit. If you watched him last year, that dude, I don't know. Yeah, he no, I mean, he, he was. But he's still, he's still good. He's still that goal line back. So you can, if fantasy-wise, you can count for him for touchdowns, definitely. Um, is, he a, is he a three down back? That's. I think he's, if you, I think he's I moved think into if, the situational. I think if you go into, if he goes to a team with a good offensive line, I think he could be a three down back. But if you, I don't think I don't think that you can count on him. I mean, I, I think if if you do give him a three down back, he's good for about a year. Yeah, I mean, I think that, if he's, he's done, he's, he's if you want to prolong his career, you're gonna just he's gonna be in a share with somebody, but the good thing and about that's that, what the good thing about it is he receive he's a receiving back too. So I mean, you, you do you do have the you know the receiving. If he goes to an offense that does that, though, I mean. Yeah, but I, why 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 wouldn't I do the following then? Why wouldn't I already have my one and two down back, and why wouldn't I go out and pick up a guy like let's like we were just we were talking a little bit before we kind of got sidetracked with Moreno about McFadden and how disappointing McFadden's year was last year. Why wouldn't I lowball McFadden in an offer and have McFadden come in as my third down back? That guy can catch the ball, well, go upfield, he's faster. I would rather have McFadden than MJD any day. Yeah, just for I mean, just for relative purposes. So I, I I don't think that you know we look at this list of running backs and these guys can all succeed if they're put in the right situation. Two like, things that right I want to, I mean, two two guys. I mean, and Maurice Jones Drew is one of them. I think he would look really good as a Cardinal with Andre Ellington and Stephon Taylor. Replace you know he would be replacing uh, Richard Mendenhall, and then I could also see Donald Brown going to Arizona as well because Arians had him. And I don't know. I don't know how well they liked each other, you know. Or you know, or Arians. Arians like Donald Brown. But if he did, he's a free agent, and you know, he's a guy that you know, could connect the dots there. I love Donald Brown, but I think he's going to wind up with the Jets and make me tear my hair out. So <laughs> I think I think that guy's going to be sitting behind Chris Ivory, and for some inexplicable oh. reason, like the ghost of Joe McKnight or something. <laughs> the uh, also one person we didn't talk about was Richard Jennings, which I really like. Yes. I, I think last year I, I I was kind of soured on him. I thought he was pretty pedestrian, but the the more the last half of last year, the last yeah, five of, six he games, he really him. came on. Yeah, you know, and I do like him. Some I don't think you're gonna pay. I don't know. I mean, you well, that's know a, that's the thing. Some, some idiot will pay. That that's the thing. You don't know. Somebody it will pay, and usually it's the the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I, I think he would be uh, good with the Browns. 
I think I think Rashard could play a lot of places. I heard he was really close to coming back to, to Oakland because he really liked. Him. And I heard they really wanted him back. I also heard that, but um, we'll see. I don't know. So some top free agent wide receivers. Um, wow, this this is a crazy uh, crazy list. Actually, really good list. A, I was really a, like. If you look at the names, you're like, wow, there's a lot of names on there. But if you look at you know who the names are, you're like, wow, some of them are just like if you, I mean, some of them. Eric Decker. There are question marks. Yeah, yeah. Are, oh, there's, there's definitely. Every one of them. There's not one that says, I mean, wow, this guy's, you know, just downright awesome. No, you got Eric Decker and uh, Jeremy Macklin, Hakeem Nix, Kenny Britt, Anquan Bolden, Julian Edelman, Riley Cooper, Andre Roberts, Golden Tate, James Jones, and Emmanuel Sanders. The only one that I think is, would be, not a slam dunk that would be good is Golden Tate. And not just because he's from Notre Dame. And not just because he just won the Super Bowl? No. No, I mean, he's, there's I mean, a lot of guys that are He made fantastic catches. And when he was in Seattle, he, he's, he's a, a fantastic, dynamic player. Uh, he's, he's a little flaky for me. No, see I, see, I like him a lot. I mean, I think he he plays way bigger than his size is, but he has to be in an offense that is going to use him correctly. I think he's so, be I mean, with Seattle, to be honest with you. Yeah, if they uh, pay him. I don't know. They have a lot of guys to pay. Um and and Riley Cooper, I forgot yeah. today he did get signed um, to a five year twenty five million. And Riley, so Riley, we were going to talk about some of these guys in the context. You know, it's a little early because they haven't signed with anybody, but um, some of these guys will succeed regardless of who they sign with, and some of them are heavily dependent on who they sign with. To me, Riley Cooper re-signing with the Eagles is a huge saving value for him because, rightly or wrongly, Nick Foles, who's the quarterback there now, and the first year of Chip Kelly's offense with Nick Foles. They love Riley Cooper. He gets targeted, you know, minimum of 10 times a game. So, and the funny thing is, he probably wouldn't have been as featured if Jeremy Macklin, who's also a free agent, didn't go down healthy. with the torn ACL. Yeah. So, I mean, he really stepped in shit <laughs> being doing this on his free agent, you know, free Especially agent, considering uh, yeah. that he was involved in that scandal at the beginning of the season yeah. over the N-word. Yeah, that's <laughs> where, I mean, so, oh God. I, don't I know mean, football's become so political that it's tough for those guys to get over that stuff. But he got over that, and... Managed to have a crazy out of the Career. whack. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. He had to have close to ten touchdowns, though. Yeah, he was uh, pretty impressive. But uh, I think that you want players in the Chip Kelly offense rather than the player himself, unless the player himself is awesome. Macklin to me is a better player than Riley Cooper, but I want Riley Cooper right now over Macklin until I find out where Macklin goes coming off an injury yeah. and possibly not being back in Philly. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, Eric Decker is never – I mean, unless he goes somewhere, like I was talking earlier, you know, maybe Eric Decker going to the Colts. Unless he goes to a team with a great quarterback, his value is – yeah, his value is not going to be high, yeah. as high as it is now. I mean, his high his value is as high as it's going to be. I never thought he was all that great when he, when he was when he was drafted or when he was with the – I mean, you're playing with Peyton Manning. I mean, come on. Uh, but, I mean, to, to be fair, fair to him, the quarterbacks before Peyton Manning were Tim Tebow. <laughs> so, you can't, I, you know, like, he's a possession guy. He profiles to be And Kyle Orton. And Kyle Orton, sorry. Kyle Orton was awesome. Uh, but, I mean, he profiles to be a wide receiver, too. Uh, in real life, like, he's a possession wide receiver, too. You need a guy like Demarius Thomas on the other side to kind of take some of the heat off. I don't think that makes him a bad value, necessarily. If he comes in... Depends what you to pay a team. him. It's all going to depend how much you pay him. I mean, he, 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 he definitely is not a number one wide receiver. 
I don't think so either. But on a team that doesn't have a number one wide receiver, that could be the kiss of death. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> See, you know, I mean, Ray, he, doesn't, he doesn't fit their profile of being able to run a four-one like the Flash. So, what about the uh, what about the Chiefs? Chiefs would be interesting for him. I would th- yeah, I would think that would that would be interesting. And what well, about they already kind of have Dwayne Bow clogging up the. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, they 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 have a decent amount of cap room from what I remember. Um, it, two two guys that are well. First, I'm going to start with Julian Edelman because if that guy doesn't go back to the Patriots. I mean, I, I, that guy. Nobody's talking about him if he doesn't go back to the Patriots. He is not going to no produce like he did. I mean, I mean, I mean, well, and he's a great story. He's a he's an example of a player that I like as a player, and he can be a valuable player for your football team. But he's totally dependent on where he is. Yeah, I mean, his value is dependent on that. I mean, there's, I don't think there's another place he can go where he can produce like that, or even, I mean. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, there's I, I very, think he, a lot of his numbers were inflated also because the lack of oh, wide receivers that the Patriots had. Being a Patriots fan, it hurts my heart to say that, but <laughs> it is the truth. But they, they how many years are they going to break Tom Brady's heart again and get rid of his favorite target yes. for like a third consecutive year? Because I think they have to pay this guy. They have to. You have to give this guy money. Like you don't have to give him crazy money. But pay him. You but pay you, know, you pay Denny Amendola two years for fourteen million dollars, well, and you're I not going to pay. I think this that's guy? exactly why Julian Edelman won't be back because they'll say, "Hey, Amendola is supposed to be Julian Edelman." I mean, it w- Julian Edelman wouldn't have been a story this year if Bolden if uh, he had stayed on the field. Yeah, Amendola. Yeah, they did. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were they were pretty good, and towards you know towards the middle, he you know targeted them less and less, and then he had the injuries, which didn't help him any, and kind of lost you know came out of favor and. It's, and you know Brady is just if he you know if he if he likes you he's going to target you, you know. Well, the, the, the Patriots are one big game of hot potato even with their running back, so it's like yeah. Yeah. Fantasy, you yeah, figure that out. Wise, I mean, you, I mean Patriots are, are are tough. I mean, look at Stephen Ridley if you're going to see that. Yeah, or I mean, or, or you know, you stepped in shit last year if you got little Garrett Blunt on the waiver wire and you're like, oh my god, yeah. you know this guy's starting. You know he's my flex back for the past, you know, through the the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Even with and so Edelman's the same type of guy. So I, I want to see where he winds up because I I kind of like him as a football player, but I'm not remotely interested if he doesn't resign with the Patriots unless I don't know unless he's on a team where six guys go down again. I'm gonna call it now. I think James Jones goes to the Raiders because Reggie McKenzie who was from the Packers, and I think James Jones goes to the Raiders. That's possible. One guy I really like is really kind of a high risk, high reward is Kenny Britt. Yeah, absolutely. Really like Kenny Britt. And there's one year contract. He is. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. That dude is nuts. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I mean, you got some serious I mean, character issues. I mean, and, and you know, more. And more I mean, he was kind of he was kind of feuding with the Titans last year. So hopefully that being denied the opportunity to really play when he came back from his injury last year, hopefully that lights a fire on him to get motivated when he yeah. signs. Yeah. I mean, I could see him going to a lot of teams. He has to go to a team with a strong coach. So I, I mean, you know, in. Yeah, I could see him with the Patriots. I could see him in Seattle. I could see him in Seattle. I could see him in a bunch of places where there's an established head coach and, like, that coach is the boss and he has the reputation. And I just don't think he was – I think he was young and immature, and I think, you know, I don't think Mike Munchak was – just demanded the respect that was needed. But if you're you're looking for – I I wouldn't say a sleeper because, I mean, if he's a sleeper and you're talking about it, it's not really a sleeper. But I think Kenny Britt would be a – a nice 
solid pickup. He's sneaky. He's a, he's a sneaky for a lot of teams. And my guy on this list is Andre Roberts. Yep, I know you love him. <laughs> because he's good NFL value. We can talk about his like fantasy him? value being all over but the place. But do you like him more than Jordy Nelson? No. I mean, Jordy Nelson's elite. <laughs> Andre, Andre, Andre Roberts Andre Roberts has a potential. How many times did you draft him in Dynasty 40? I drafted him twice because I cut him once. But to be fair, that's because the Packers management, for some reason, was drunk for a year, and they thought that James Jones deserved more of an opportunity when James Jones couldn't catch a goddamn cold. So, yeah. It's all about opportunity with wide receivers. It really is. And I hope that Andre Roberts goes somewhere where they use him all kinds, all day and in a slot. You know, I mean, he had a 1,000-yard season being a part-time starter in a – was it two years ago? Yep. Yeah. Part-time starter and, uh, you know, slot receiver. So, you know, he, he – I mean, any of these guys we talked about, you don't know where they're going to go, and it really depends on their situation. You know, it depends on how much they're really going to produce. Um, tight ends, actually, another pretty good group at the top, anyway. Um, Although I don't think any of these guys are getting free. <laughs> yeah, maybe Jamichael Finley might be Pettigrew. the only one. Um, I can see Pedigree gone. I mean, he yeah, he's not coming back. I mean, most of the year. I mean, the- no, because he sucks. He's terrible. He's he's slow and he drops passes. Um, Jimmy Graham. I think he's going back to the Saints. I There's no chance in hell the Saints don't tag him. They yeah, I mean, I, I just yeah, I just don't see him going anywhere. I mean, uh, unless someone offers him three first round picks for the guy yeah, or something crazy. And no, I, exactly. And for the sake <laughs> And for the sake of theoretical argument, it's interesting with Jimmy Graham that if he ever did get away where he lands, I don't know how much value that even matters because he's such a dynamic player at the position that it, hel- it definitely helps having Drew Brees and Sean Payton, but he's not defined by those guys. He's an elite talent. So I don't even, it doesn't really matter if he did get free, maybe a little drop depending on where he goes, but that guy is not scheme dependent. Um, I don't think it, the other guy who's a little interesting and I think he's coming back is Dennis Pitta tight end for the Ravens. I mean, he came back after an injury last year and played pretty well. I think he's really valuable, especially with Gary Kubiak in there. I think he's going to want Pitt as his All the boot, the boot, t- the boot to the tight end. Joe Flacco boot to Dennis Pitt is going to be the number one play in the Ravens' offensive playbook if they can get him back. So, uh, and the other guy um, that we had as a top ten is yeah, Garrett Graham, and he was actually a tight end of the uh, Texans last year. You know, kind of behind. Um, Owen Daniels and um, Casey. No, Casey last year. Uh, uh, James Casey, Casey kind of plays a little bit of yeah. that, that role, but not. I mean, yeah, Garrett Graham is a receiving tight end, uh, but he. It's interesting to me. It's 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 an interesting question whether a team can make him their number one tight end or not. He does end up playing a lot every year because they well, use a lot of two tight end sets and because Owen Dale's Dale's always go down. Yeah. So. Um, is he a cheap? Is he a, is he a replacement on the cheap if the Ravens can't get Dennis Pitta back because Gary Kubiak is there? Does Gary or did they get both of them? That would be. I mean, if you I mean, think about it, I mean, you could get Garrett Graham for maybe two, three million dollars a year over three years, or you could get spend a ton of money and get Eric Decker. I mean, I'd almost want to go Garrett Graham and save that money, and then I could still get Andre Roberts. Or I can get Golden Tate and Gary. You know what I'm saying? Or you know, because I think, Sanders. or any of those guys. You know, any of those kind of like top second tier wide receivers. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think he's a intriguing option for a team to you know 
for a team like Baltimore. And uh, I think that's going to conclude the first section of our podcast for today. Um, this is the Art of Score. Follow us on Twitter, artofscore.com. Or uh, follow us on Twitter, Art of Score. <laughs> um, follow our blog, wordpress.artofscore.com. And hit us up on Facebook, Art of Score. It's uh, the off season for us. And we too. will be much more consistent with our <laughs> podcasts and follow ups with Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff too. Yeah, we have a lot of things. We're going to change the uh, website coming up, uh, new logos, everything. You know, is going to be changed and new and better. So uh, a lot of changes afoot here. It'll be amazing. It'll blow your mind. I will be amazed by it. So. We are the art of score. Listen, baby.